Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Good. We'll be talking about money today, real money, and mm. bad money, and counterfeit money, and uh, a lot of people have sorted this out already, but there are a few people who still wonder about it. And the principle we want to deal with today is fractional reserve banking. And uh, the title of our program today is talking about uh, legalized counterfeit. And uh, most, most of the people, uh, you know, that uh, come to our station and our report here understand that there's a lot of fake money going around. The whole thing is, and they understand what fiat money is. And when that was uh, delivered to us on a platter way back in 1971, and now we're seeing the uh, consequence of it. So we're in the midst of uh, financial and banking crises. We're in the midst of uh, inflation, which is uh, really the uh, excessive uh, creation of new money by government and the Federal Reserve. But the people see it as increasing prices. And we're seeing a lot of that. And a lot of people are, are concerned. The irony of all this is over the last you know 10 years, the Fed policy was they were working hard to get price inflation <laughs> stimulated. They were worried about that. Look, no price inflation means the economy must be weak. And we have to do it. But they also knew that if you inflate the currency and debase the currency with some some uh, counterfeit it also reduces real debt it, but it reduces real wages as well so uh, it's a it's a big issue and they've been operating on that especially since uh, 1971 but inflation has been around the inflating of the money supply and not having the money in the bank when we're told oh the bank's holding my money we find out but it also has a lot of uh, uh, impact on, you know, the price of gold, uh, the, the real unit of account that's been around for four or five thousand years. You know, people ha have used gold. It's been a natural money and uh, it, uh, it, it, is a it does respond to what governments do to the money. And we had a period of time relatively well from the time of our constitution when only, only gold and silver could be legal tender. But that was whittled away with the Federal Reserve, and now we're in the midst of this, that uh, since uh, 1971, we admitted we were bankrupt, that uh, the last vestige of the gold standard was to, uh, to maintain a little credibility in the uh, uh, reserve currency of the world, we would pass out our gold. We still had a lot of gold because we uh, sort of uh, accumulated that gold after World War II. So we could print at leisure. And if uh, foreigners had a lot of dollars and they get a little worried about it, they could always turn in $35 uh, Federal Reserve notes and get an ounce of gold. And uh, most uh, free market people knew over those years that would not last, and, and it didn't last. And uh, now uh, we're seeing these consequences, but many of us uh, look to the ultimate measurement of real value and real currency, and that is in gold. So gold becomes uh, very important. It is a commodity. It's used as jewelry and so many other things, and, but it's been used as a monetary unit and a unit of account you know, for literally centuries, if not many centuries, uh, 
to watch what's happening. So when the things get stimulated, people say, you know, I maybe should own some gold. And some people know it early and they have it early and some people work on it. Right now we're going through this period and the interesting that's happening this time, there's a lot of individuals caring about gold, which was not the case in 1934 when uh, uh, FDR uh, took in the gold from the American people. But right now there's a lot of people who didn't know about it and they understand it. Central banks are buying gold. Uh, our government's official position is I, I, I got the word. I asked Bernanke. He says, gold is not money. Quit worrying about it. So, but if you have a little bit of concern, you want to get a little bit more information, my suggestion is to, uh, to take a look at the uh, text number, Ron Paul text, uh, 989-898, to get some information, you know, from uh, Birch Gold because they're in the business, they're involved in investments and, and understanding about the issue is. So uh, they're inviting you to just uh, text that number and uh, they will mail you some information and they won't charge you for it. So uh, you can't, uh, it's not overly risky, you know. If they're not <laughs> gonna charge for it, you gotta take a look at it and then you get to decide about it. So that's uh, t text Ron. Uh, 989898 and uh, take a look at their information. In the meantime, uh, Chris and I are going to talk about where we stand on this whole issue because we want to concentrate on one of the principles of monetary inflation. We know the Fed can do it, they can print money out of thin air, but there's something else that we don't talk about a lot and it's probably every bit of significant if not more because it's so massive and that is they can, we can take dollars that we get from the Fed and put it in a bank and say, oh, well, that's good. The banks are safe. The government's watches. <laughs> they regulate it. So we'll be, we'll be all right. And if you get a little nervous, just put your money in the bank and it'll be all right. Well, more and more people are starting to realize that it, it doesn't work quite, quite that way. Because uh, the fraction reserve ba banking essentially is when an individual use uh, one of our banks, which they do, every one of us have to have it, uh, some use of it, but if, but if you put your money in a savings account, and let's say you put $100 in the bank, and you know, oh good, that'll, that'll be in there. Uh, will you earn interest? Well, it used to be that it, when I was raising our kids and when I was small, uh, putting a couple dollars in the bank was worthwhile. We'd earn a little bit of interest and we understood what uh, money was all about. But now uh, you put a little money in the bank, you don't earn any interest in, on it. Uh, and uh, the uh, federal, federal government then, the Federal Reserve, and the banks, what they're, what they're permitted to do, the law permits them to do it, they violate the Constitution, they violate morality, they violate Jeffersonianism, and say, oh, we have the banks, they trust us, and we're such good people, and we're, we run banks, so we have to be trustworthy. So they sent me $100, and they say, well, I'll bet he's not going to use $100 for a couple weeks or a couple months, so I'm going to loan it out again. So they loan out the $100, hoping that the person whose money it really is doesn't come in the next day and demand his $100. Oh, well, uh, under these circumstances, there's so much creation of money that a little bit of that, they get away with it. But the 
whole principle is is fraction reserve banking is is metastasizes it's like cancer it goes out there because the next guy that gets he if the bank loans out my money to somebody else and uh and they put it in the in the bank they can do the same thing before you know it there's a multiplier on that and a lot of times over the years nobody knows the exact number depending on circumstances basically people say if you put a hundred dollars uh in the bank and the bank is supposed to hold it for you and they loan it out once twice two three times it'll turn into seven hundred dollars and where did the money come from helicopters you know the but the, these invisible helicopters it's just magic it's fraud and the fraudulent system of money reminds me of the great law of Bastia and Bastia in the law says that individuals uh, can't steal they can't counterfeit money and they can't they can't uh, do things that are illegal or unconstitutional but what happens is governments can do it some people say oh yeah i can't do it but i want the government i can't steal from my neighbor but my my congressman can and so they use the congressman to do the things that are illegal money works like that they get the government to do it and that's why the philosophy of our current system of money is corrupt and it's mm -hmm. wrong and there's a lot of pain and suffer to come and we're witnessing the beginning of that pain and suffering and it's going to be a big time because the bubble out there is still growing and it's very very dangerous because all bubbles eventually burst chris very good dr paul yes our system is very corrupt it doesn't have to be but when you mix uh banking with government which is what we have it mix anything with government that's why they say it destroys everything you know, you got to keep business separate, religion separate, money separate. Once you intermingle with government, you have problems. And that's what we had, you know, in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act, banking and government attached to each other. And we have this fractional reserve system. And I'd like to use an analogy when I try to explain this. Uh, one that I like is, let's say you have a lamp or a chair, you know, from a great grandmother that you want to put into storage. You know, those public storage places you go, you pay a fee. And you, you, know, you take your lamp there and the guy says, okay, I owe you one lamp. And you may think, owe me? This is not a loan. I'm not loaning you this lamp. This is my great grandmother's lamp. I wanna store it here, it's mine. It better not move from here. And I'm gonna pay you a storage fee. Well, now let's think about banking and how people think about banking. They think that when they get their paycheck that they're going to store their money in the bank. Well, the bank says, okay, Mr. You know, uh, Mr. Rossini, I uh, will take this money and now I owe you X amount of money. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you don't owe me. I am not loaning you. I am storing this here. And if I want to come get it, I'm going to come get it. Well, that's not how it works. They loan it out and they anticipate that I'm not going to come back and take it all. And if they do, they have all these little tricks that they have enough money on hand at times to where if not too many people come in to want their money, though, everything will be able to clear. But as Dr. Paul said, this is a fraudulent system. We're not making loans, even though, you know, that's what's essentially happening. They owe us the money, and that's just not right. Very good. You know, one of the arguments that they've used over the many, many years is that, yes, theoretically that's good. And when the economy is small, small population, you can use gold and exchange gold, and, and, and there's no problem. 
But the, the truth is, the argument that uh, there's not enough gold because the economy is bigger is not a legitimate argument. Because if the market is free and the money is sound, there's an adjustment that happens automatically without counterfeit. And uh, the, the first thing is, if, if an economy is grow, uh, if a population is growing, there's lots of things that happen. If there's a greater demand uh, for money because the uh, money, the purchasing power is going up, you know, it might stimulate mining of gold, and it has. You know, they have records to show that when the value of gold, uh, purchasing power goes up, it's worthwhile mining gold, and they, uh, you know, in, in a way, increase the money supply at a market rate rather than at an artificial official rate by the politicians and the bankers uh, get get to do this and also that uh, if uh, <clears throat> people think it's stat the market is static that uh, if uh, if you have if you have to buy a house you have to carry a bag of gold in there to buy a house but the gold the unit of account is to me it, uh, in a way, this is not perfect, but it helps me understand it. It's sort of like it's the unit of account. It's what, how you measure things. It's how you measure value. So if two people are going to exchange properties, they might say, well, I think my property is worth 100 ounces of gold. And the other one says, oh, no, 98. But they can measure it and think about it, and it's real. But they don't have to carry bags back and forth. It's sort of like how, how many rulers and how many yardsticks you have to have to build a house. No, one real good one you have to do to know what the unit is and what you're counting about. And <clears throat> the one thing happens, and sometimes artificially and sometimes in a natural way, <clears throat> if uh, if there's some type of excitement or need for more cash, you know, a dollar, if you spend a dollar in the morning and the person who got that dollar, he spends it in the afternoon, the money supply was doubled. But there was no cheating. There was no inflation. It was the same dollar, but it was just used as a measurement and it moves along. So philosophy, the propensity to hold or spend is very, very important. And it's used for, <clears throat> you know, the adjustments. And the other thing that happens on a gold standard, you say, well, there's not enough gold. The prices are going up. How are we going to pay off one? But traditionally, if you look at the latter part of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century, uh, when there was about a 30 or 40 years of a pretty sound gold standard, Guess what? Prices went down. Today, that'd be hysterical. Deflation is coming. Deflation is coming. <laughs> but if you if you had money that was real, and all of a sudden, you know, a loaf of bread went from a dollar down to fifty cents, they said, "Well, hey, this is a pretty good deal." So prices do adjust adjust according to the needs. And uh, yet, yeah, no, they use this as the excuse for the people who want to manipulate and make money because there's a lot of profit to be made in, in, uh, in the banking business, but a lot of profits to be made in the military industrial complex and all the people, the welfare state, to get hold of that money first because not, not anybody's paying attention. Where's this money coming from? Maybe this is counterfeit. And for a while, it works pretty well. So it's easy to see the people. It's, to me, I think the best analogy for me to understand this, it's like addiction. It's like a drug addiction. Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit nervous here. I think I need, a, I need some drugs. So you give the person the drugs. They say, well, I feel a lot better, and I think I'll just be more cautious. And they get by until the drug addiction destroys the individual. So, and people can die from overdoses. 
economies can die from the overdose of the inflation, the manipulation, the size of government, too many wars and too much welfareism and too many special interests. That's what eventually kills, uh, kills the robust economy that everybody was bragging about. But right now they're facing, they're getting a little bit more nervous than they have been over the years. But it was all preventable, and that is what is so sad. It's just like all the wars, almost all, are preventable, and we initiate so much trouble that we're involved. Same way with monetary policy. We initiate these problems, create the price inflation, create the bubbles, and then create the market demand to get, we correct this, and that is liquidation of debt and liquidation of malinvestment. So uh, in, in a way, the correction is fighting those people who want to continue to do it. And right now, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, as bad as things are, you know, well, we have another day or two. We might be able to get a time to do something else with our money. So it's, it's unsound and it's coming to an end and it's related to an obsession with big government, which we shouldn't have anyway. Chris. Yes, absolutely, Dr. Paul. And, you know, we face, you know, two camps that, uh, you know, that are difficult in this situation. I mean, it should be obvious that this is a fraudulent system, but you'll have some people say, oh, no, this is how banking is supposed to be. This is what makes everybody rich. And then you'll have other people on the other extreme will say, well, get rid of all banks altogether. They're, they're all bad. And neither one are correct. Uh, banking is a legitimate and a very important service, and they could legitimately make money. Uh, one, by charging storage fees. If I take my paycheck and put it in a bank, they can charge me a fee for storing the money, and I, I could go pay my bills, I could do what I, I want. But that money doesn't move. That's my money that's being stored, and they're earning money for providing the service of storing it so I don't have to put it you know, uh, under my mattress. They could also uh, legitimately lend by if I put aside some of my paycheck that I cannot touch, that the bank can then lend, the bank will give me an interest you know, payment for it, and then they will charge interest to the lender. And the difference, the bank is going to make is profit. So, and no counterfeiting occurs here. No booms and bust cycles. This is legitimate banking. This is how banking should be. This is not how banking is today. We have the exact opposite, where everybody, I could go put my money in a bank, but I could go get it, but that same money has been lent out to somebody else. Now, how do, that's, that makes no logical sense. And that's what creates all these booms and busts, that creates all these bank panics. People go rush at, for their money and find out it's not there. You know, banking is legitimate, but it's got to separate itself from the state and be a legitimate business once again. And the way this would be approached uh, in a free market, uh, they would make use of contracts. That's an important part of uh, free markets is, is uh, a contract between two individuals for a voluntary transaction. But to clarify, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, you, sh you should have a bank you trust. Hopefully you don't have to get 10 attorneys to prove that. But I, I, there, there wouldn't be anything wrong with a voluntary contract for a bank putting it on the line. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your money for 90 days, and I'm going to do my best, and this is where I'm, I will invest it. And after 90 days, you can have it back, and we're going to split the profits, something like that. And the contract would be very beneficial. 
but now the contract now is is not uh, not real. If there's a contract, it's run by the government. The government controls it, and they can also break the contract anytime they want because they do have certain rules. Yeah, it, it's amazing. They have a system that they know is not going to work. And when the Fed was first created, it was uh, it was mainly to uh, you know have a sound dollar and uh, and and, uh, and and work for full employment. They had things like that, but. But uh, it, it didn't work that way. Nobody should have expected it to work. But what happens is a lot of problems, have, you know, exist and banks uh, do dumb things and they're unregulated. My goodness, no, two people can't regulate it by an under, you know, by a contract. So, but, but it gets together and they know there's going to be conflict and problems. So you have to have regulators. So that's why. Guess who the biggest regulator is in the country, and that's the the Federal Reserve. And uh, guess what? They're not really independent. You know, one of the things that I worked on for years was the audit the Fed bill and uh, find out what they're doing. And they say, well, we keep good books. We spent money here and here. And they'll say, well, there's there is the audit. But what they won't reveal are the discussions and the negotiations and what we do with international banks and what we do in these crises. Because I think they are facilitators, and I think they are quite capable, but because we can't see all the agreements, uh, we don't know exactly who are their partners, but they, uh, they're capable of bailing out banks around the world without the taxpayers knowing, without appropriations, and that is one of the things that I think is, you know, just so big, and that is also the reason they get hysterical, uh, because we did make, have some success uh, on, on audit the Fed. One time we had all the Republicans agree with it. A bunch of the Democrats agreed. Well, we ought to at least have uh, have have a, a understanding of what they're doing. And uh, they would they would say, yeah, let's ha let's have an audit. But that makes the Fed very very uh, very very nervous. And uh, what what they they said, uh, you, you know, uh, the argument that won, won a lot of people over is are you, you, should, you should have uh, transparency. But the Fed's answer was always the same, no matter which chairman was doing it. it, uh, it the, their, their answer was, you got to have independence. You can't have snoopy noses around there in Congress trying to find out who made the deals and why. Why have we sent money to Ukraine in bushels, on, even with voting for it, and then sometimes we don't vote for it. So that uh, they want, they want, they want independence. You can't have Congress meddling with these complicated detail so they all the word independence you have to have an independence because you have to trust those federal reserve board chairman well right now the trust in the federal reserve board uh is not as great as it once was and uh when when uh when they say transparent when they use the word independency and transparency uh a, what what i always said to myself and to them too i said you know when you when you talk about when you talk about independence you don't want anybody interfering with their decision making i said what you're talking about is secrecy <laughs> that that was the code word for secrecy they never said we have to be secret we don't want people to know what we're doing we we they always say we have to be independent we don't want you to know what we're doing so but that's going on and on but someday right now 
eventually truth comes out and the truth is coming out about the Fed. People are becoming more knowledgeable about it. And uh, it is so, so significant and universal because it affects everything because the monetary unit is what we measure all value in internationally still. So <laughs> manipulating the measurement rod is sort of like trying to build skyscrapers with a measuring rod that changes every hour or two and the building uh, didn't come out so well. So right mm -hmm. now, our building, our economy hasn't turned out so well. Chris. Very good, Dr. Paul. I will finish up. Uh, for those who have followed Dr. Paul's career and the Ron Paul Liberty Report up to even this present moment, you know, there are two, first off, there are hundreds, thousands of issues out there. Everybody has their own pet issue. But when you think of Ron Paul, you think of sound money and the Fed, and you think of a, uh, a non-interventionist foreign policy instead of empire, because those are two of the biggest and most important uh, issues that affect all of our lives. And they're both easy to ignore. You know, the war and the empire is very easy to ignore. Just don't pay attention. Until it's, it becomes uh, an issue, like if our country gets involved in, with a war with Russia or China, then you're not going to be able to ignore it anymore. It'll be right on our doorstep. And sound money is also another thing to, you know, not pay attention. Who cares? You know, I have a paycheck, it's in the bank, and you go on with your life. Until you find out that the banks are in trouble. And then people are, what's, what's this? What's fractional reserve banking? What is this? And that's the whole point of all this, to understand these two very important issues and then be able to explain them to people because people are going to want to know. Sound money is something that affects all of us. I have a lot of leftist friends who have, are nothing like me politically, uh, but I could explain to them, you know, about the banking system, and it doesn't matter if they're leftist, right, left, you know, what their political persuasion is, they care about their money and don't want to hear this kind of stuff. So it matters for all of us, and you have to be able to understand it and then be able to explain it. Hopefully, you know, we are helpful in helping you to do that. Very, very good, Chris. You know, just recently there was an article out that made a point, which I found interesting because the uh, author was arguing the case, yeah, we're talking about fractional reserve banking. We shouldn't have that because they manipulate everything with how much reserves they have to hold. <clears throat> so if they're manipulating the economy, they might argue for easier money and lower interest rates and lower reserves that you have to hold. It's just a tool for monkey business. But uh, the reserves are, uh, you, you know, there, but this writer was saying, he says, we need to stop calling it a fractional reserve because we just noticed this, you know, in the last couple of weeks with the banking crisis, there, there are no reserves. I mean, the banks are getting wiped out. Uh, so we're really talking about zero reserves and we depend. You know, this past week, there was a tremendous uh, use of the discount window. That means when a bank gets into trouble from the very beginning, they had the discount window, which means the bank can go and get a rescue loan and and prop them up. So in many ways, since since they're going to do what they need to do, even though we have yelling sort of uh, yelling out a lot of stuff that's confusing people, uh, they 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 still they still um, you know need need to know exactly what the discount rate is, and they can always go there and they've been able to. But that's just inflation. That's real inflation because they created out of thin air. But uh, it's been used for years of manipulating the reserves at the same time. 
they manipulate interest rates and they manipulate money supply and it's it doesn't work and it's failing and that's why we'd like to get more and more people interested and exciting and i want to leave i want to finish this by making one uh, suggestion because over the years i've tried to read as much as i could and i've read as much of mises as i as i could and mises is great and has a lot of answers but the person that was easiest for me to read and understand on this money issue was murray rothbard so he talks about a hundred percent gold reserve standard and he can argue the case and he was actually an assistant and a researcher uh, for the Gold Commission when I was on the Gold Commission. So uh, that, that would be worthwhile. And if you don't know where to find uh, Murray Rothbard's material, go to the Mises Institute because they'll have plenty of material on Murray Rothbard who worked a long time with Lou Rockwell with the Mises Institute. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.